Welcome back again. We are in the middle of one of the most powerful series that I've ever taught on, and this is the series on who you are in Christ. See, the Bible refers to us in Christ a plethora of times after Jesus dies, descends, and ascends again. Paul says that even in the process of baptism, we put off the old man and we put on Christ. So what we're doing is we're going deep into detail about what the Bible says pertaining to us no longer being alive. Remember in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So what does it mean that we have now put on Christ, that we have put off our old man, and it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us? Yesterday, I covered the topic of your identity. What I've noticed in my experience in the ministry, <clears throat> in just being 25 years of age, is that a lot of people struggle with their identity. Meaning that issues that sporadically happen in their life, mountains that pop up out of nowhere, valleys, valley seasons, as a lot of Christians would call it, these strange things that occur, the devil gets all the blame for it. However, the root of it is a lack of knowledge and identity. Remember the prophet Hosea said in chapter 4 verse 6, God spoke through his prophet and said, my people destroy themselves due to a lack of knowledge. So if you don't have revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ, now that he has died for you, you've been born again and raised with Christ. If you're not aware of your identity in Christ, then you will live like the old man, even though your identity is birthed in the new man, the new creation. So go watch what yesterday's teaching was. It was powerful on identity. Now tonight, I'm going to cover inheritance. If you're watching on TikTok, if you're watching on Instagram, if you're watching on YouTube, I see you, Linda, on YouTube. Linda, I love you. I can't wait to see you at church on Sunday. I'm so glad that you're jumping on. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Instagram or on TikTok, I want you to type this in the comments. Say, I have an inheritance in Christ. See, many Christians think that the inheritance that you receive as a Christian starts when you get to heaven. But that's not true. Eternity started the day you were born again. You have an inheritance in Christ that is in heaven, but also an inheritance that started the very moment you were born again. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, and we'll start there. I'm telling you, if there's any live stream of mine that you've watched, tonight is the one to watch and take notes. <clears throat> As you're turning to Romans, I want to read to you what the Gospel of John says in chapter 1, verse 12. This is the ESV, but I'm also going to quote another translation. But to all who did receive him, talking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were not born, or who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Another translation says it like this. He gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. The right and the power. By what? Believing in Him and the one who sent Him, and by believing in His name. That by believing in the name of Jesus... You have been what we call born again, what the Bible says is born again, which I covered last night. And number two, you've received the right, the legal right, and the power necessary to become a child of the living God. I want you to write down that scripture, John chapter 1, verse 12. And now let's pick up in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. As a child of God, this is what the Bible says. I'll start in verse 12, actually. You are an heir with Christ. Quickly, I want you to write this down. I am an heir, H-E-I-R. I am an heir with Christ. As a child of a king, and not just a king, the king of kings, as a child of a king, a daughter or a son, you have become an heir of that king. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. That's important. The Bible identifies a son and a daughter of God as those that are led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't say those that go to church. It doesn't say those that grew up in private school. It says those that are led by the Spirit of God. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. I want you to highlight that and write it down. Write down, I have received the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted, grafted into the vine of Israel. Very important. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba means Daddy. Now, don't be one of those weird Christians that runs around praying, Daddy God, or you sit in the back, Oh, Daddy God, thank you for your presence. You know what I mean? Don't be a weird, as I call them, crusty Christian or a cringy Christian. That would be a cringy Christian. Don't run around calling him Daddy God. But Abba does mean Daddy. You can call him Abba Father. I'm totally down for that. But the Daddy thing kind of throws me off. Abba Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I want you to write that down. I'm a fellow heir with Christ. An heir to what? An heir to the throne. You are an heir with Jesus to the throne of God by the spirit of adoption. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. So the Bible says that by the spirit of adoption, we have received inheritance to the throne of God. Just like the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus shared about. Same concept. Now I want you to think about this. Think about, and I some people might get mad about this, but I don't care, honestly. If you were the son of Donald Trump, or some other multi-billionaire, and your father loved you more than anything, would he withhold anything from you? No. He would have protection. He'd have education. He'd have a means of you to survive and to thrive. He'd put everything in order for you to have the most blessed life possible. Well, I've got good news for you. When you're a born-again Christian, you're not the son or a daughter of a billionaire. You are the son and the daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jehovah Jireh, your provider, Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals thee, El Shaddai, the many-breasted one who has more than enough. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the silver and all the gold. That is who your father is when you receive the spirit of adoption. Now, yesterday I covered your identity. To understand that God's no longer mad at you, God is actually accepting of you. That the Bible says you can approach the throne of God, the throne of grace, with boldness. You can approach God with boldness now, saying, I plead the blood of Jesus, I've been forgiven. Every sin, past, future, present, it's all, it's under the blood. The power of sin is under my feet. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So you understand your identity, and by your identity, you walk out your inheritance. You know, the Bible is split into two main fractions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Will and Testament, the New Will and Testament, meaning your inheritance. What now belongs to you because of whose death has occurred. When Jesus died, his will and testament was signed over to you. You inherited... What God the Father had given to Jesus. And what did Jesus say? All that the Father has is mine, and all that I have, I give to you. So you are an heir to the throne of God. Meaning that all that God has belongs to you. If you're willing to call on His name, humble yourself, fast, pray, and seek the face of God, it's already laid up for you. And you know it 
by the sealed Holy Spirit. The Bible says by the promised Holy Spirit, we know our inheritance. So what does that word error mean? The definition of the word error means one who receives the allotted possession by a right, a legal right of sonship. <clears throat> Meaning nobody can take that from you. When you receive the spirit of adoption, you've received the possessions, the allotted possessions by a legal right, and they can never be taken from you. Praise the Lord. All right, number two. Now I want to break this in. This is different. Obviously, when I come on these live streams, I don't, I don't come to preach at you. I get preachy, but the point is to teach you, to make it very simple. There's an old saying that I learned in business. It's called KISS. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. So I'm going to keep it very simple. And you're not stupid, but some people are stupid. So we're going to keep it simple, stupid. I want you to write this down. There's two primary inheritances. We're going to break this into two sections. A natural inheritance and a spiritual or supernatural inheritance. Praise the Lord. People on Instagram already getting blessed. I don't know how to pronounce your name. I don't want to butcher it. Is it Yanaleska? It's a beautiful name. Two primary inheritances. A natural inheritance and a spiritual inheritance. Go to Galatians chapter 3 with me. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read quite a bit. You can write this down as what's known as the blessing of Abraham. The Abrahamic Covenant. Your name is Yana. Awesome. The natural inheritance is the blessing of Abraham. Galatians 3, starting in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Are you a person of faith? Yes then you are a son or a daughter of Abraham. I want you to write that down. I am a son or a daughter of Abraham. Verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. I want you to highlight that. So there were Jews and there were Gentiles. Jews were the people of God in the Old Testament. The Gentiles were everybody that was not a person of God, that was not a Jew. But the Bible says that God preached the gospel, interesting how he calls it the gospel, that this is a part of the gospel preached to Abraham beforehand, saying that the Gentiles would be saved through faith and that they would receive the promise. Saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I want you to write this down. I am blessed along with Abraham. John Stafford, good to see you on YouTube. Eddie, Sandra, deep voice man, I don't know who you are. Katie, hello. Timo, or maybe it's Timo. I love it. You guys are awesome. Verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous, quote, shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, highlight this, underline it. Like I say all the time, text it to your grandma. This time you can text it to your uncle. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. So Jesus abolished the curse of the law, which we're going to go into in a second. Actually, we'll go there now. What is the curse of the law? Go to Deuteronomy 28. And then we'll go back to Galatians 3. Now, I'm not going to read Deuteronomy 28 all the way through. But Deuteronomy 28 is sectioned into two sections. The first section are verses 1 through 14. These are the blessings for obedience to God and His Word. Starting in verse 1, it says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, 
being careful to do all of his commandments that are in his word, that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord. So these are the blessings, the promises given to Abraham. And then at verse 15, you see through verse 54, I believe. Verse through verse 68, actually. All of those are the curses that come upon you, known as the curse of the law for disobedience. So the curse of the law would come upon anybody who did not obey every faction that was written in the law. That's why they had to do purification sacrifices, Levitical sacrifices, uh, it's just all these different sacrifices to cleanse themselves before God. But the Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus became those curses on the cross. And by becoming those curses, we now have the blessing of Abraham. So you have blessing and you have curse. Jesus took the curse on the cross. All that's left is the blessing. There's very simple math. You've got one and one, that's two. You take one away, all you've got is the blessing. Amen. So let's pick back up at verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, in Galatians 3, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. So this covenant that God has made with New Testament believers is not annulled and it cannot be ratified, meaning the curse is taken away, it never comes back to a believer, and everything that's been added cannot be touched, it cannot be hindered, and it cannot be edited. Verse 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to the one and to your offspring, who is Christ. That was Jesus. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So God promised these things to Abraham, and the law did not ratify them. We'll keep reading here, the last couple of verses. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an in intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then the righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. We're going to wrap this up. I know a lot of people are probably like spinning wheels here, but get this. Verse 23, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I want you to highlight that. Baptized into Christ and put on Christ. We're going to go deep into that. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Highlight that. So that was a lot of reading. Let's boil it down. Jesus abolished the curse of the law. Curse gone. Blessings remain. The promise given to Abraham is accessed by us through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, we just read it and highlighted it, when you were baptized into Christ, you put on Christ and you received the promises given to Abraham. The promises are in Deuteronomy 28. Now let me tell you a fun fact about baptism. Jesus was baptized at 30 years of age. The reason Jesus was baptized at 30 years of age is because in Hebrew culture at the time, 
When a man turns 30 years old, he is to receive all that his father has. His father's property, his father's business, his father's assets. When a man turns 30 years of age in Hebrew culture, they become the heir to their father's estate and everything that he has. All that the father has becomes theirs. So Jesus, when he was baptized at the age of 30, all that the father had, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, was then given to Jesus when he was baptized. So us, when we are baptized, we put on Christ and we receive that same inheritance. You can write that down. So our natural inheritance is known as the blessing of Abraham. Well, what is the blessing of Abraham? You can go read Deuteronomy 28. I've read it on here multiple times. The blessing given to Abraham was that he would be blessed in his finances. His property would be blessed. All of his children would be blessed. All the people he comes in contact would be blessed. It says he'll be blessed going in. He'll be blessed coming out. He'll be on top and never beneath. Always the head, never the tail. His life will only increase and never decrease. The Bible says his money will be blessed and his health will be blessed. His health and his wealth. That's why you get sticklers that say, you preach the health and wealth gospel. Because that's the same gospel that God himself preached to Abraham. As you see in Galatians 3. When it said that God himself preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Saying that through you all nations will be blessed. So that gospel, that good news, is that everything in your life is blessed when you are in Christ attached to the promise given to Abraham. That's your inheritance. Meaning that no longer should your car break down all the time. No longer should you have to waste money on medical bills. No longer will your finances be devoured because you'll be a tither and you give offerings. You honor God with your finances and you walk in the blessing of Abraham. And in Isaiah chapter 51, well, let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 12 real quick. I'm just going to load you guys up with scripture today. This is a deep teaching. See, the thing is, is I, could, I can throw information at people for an hour every single night but if it's just information and it doesn't get in here it's not alive to you it'll never play out in your life you got to get this inside of you you have to believe it in your heart and speak it as the bible says that the spirit of faith does we believe and so we speak i want you to believe in your heart right now and i want you to speak out loud with your mouth i want you to say i am a child of abraham and I walk in the blessing of Abraham. I am blessed. The promises in Deuteronomy 28 and in Malachi 3 belong to me. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. Everything I put my hand to prospers. I am blessed to be a blessing. You believe that and you speak it and watch it come to fruition in your life. Now let's look at when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. What does it look like for somebody to become a nation? So wealthy, so blessed, so many people following him that he becomes his own nation. He has his own currency, his own army, his own military, his own government. One man became a mighty nation. And he said, and God said, I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that word blessed means to multiply abundantly. So when you get revelation of this. God actually requires you to multiply abundantly. That's why you see the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Because you are now blessed to be a blessing. When God's blessing comes on you, you multiply. Because everything you put your hands to prospers. I declare it over your life right now in Jesus' name. Everything you put your hand to for the next 90 days is going to multiply abundantly. Your finances are going to multiply. If you're in sales, you're going to sell more than you've ever sold. Every aspect of your life is going to multiply abundantly in the next 90 days. And I declare it over your life. In Jesus' mighty name. And look, one chapter over. 
Genesis 13, verse 2. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. In case you're unfamiliar with silver and gold, that's money. So, God said, do this and I will bless you. One chapter later, Abraham was very rich. Now, in the old Hebrew, very rich means very rich. He was very rich, unbelievably rich. So rich that he was considered one of the wealthiest people on the planet. Said he was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. When you plug in with God, your life does not go down, you go up. And we know the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, God is no respecter of persons, which means he shows no partiality. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord your God, I change not. God doesn't change. What God did in Abraham, how much more will he do with you? Know ye not that you are a temple of God's Holy Spirit. If the Ark of the Covenant blessed Obed-Edom's household for three months, how much more does every area of your life increase because God's spirit and presence and glory lives in you? Amen. So you can read about Abraham's life and realize that Abraham's life only went up when he plugged in with God. And that's how your life is when you plug in with God. The only person that can hinder God's blessing in your life is yourself. But I know that if you're on here right now, you will not be one of those people that inherit, that inhibits God's blessing coming upon you. Because you're listening to this. It's getting inside of you. And the beautiful thing is God didn't say this was only a blessing for you, Abraham. He said this is for you and your children's children. He said all nations would be blessed through you. God's blessing in you will affect your children and their children, and it will become multidimensional generation to generation. The Bible says God's promises go up to a thousand generations. I'd get sick of counting it like 80. God's blessings never leave your family when you stay plugged in with him. And it says in Isaiah 51, remember the rock from which you were hewn. Remember Abraham, how he was one man when I called him, and I made him a mighty nation. You think Donald Trump is rich. You think Jeff Bezos is rich. You think Bill Gates is rich. Those guys had nothing compared to what God did in Abraham, what God did in Solomon, what God did in David. David gave a private offering to the Lord that I believe was upwards of $6 billion out of his private treasury. That is rich. That was an offering to the Lord. That was an offering. That is wealth. That is what God can do in the life of a believer. So you've got two inheritances. The natural inheritance known as the blessing of Abraham. Where it says your wealth and your health will be blessed. That's why people mock it. Where's the two areas that you see in the gospels that the devil attacked people the most? In their health, whether mental or physical, and in their wealth. The entire New Testament, the entire four Gospels, is about Jesus ministering to sick people and to poor people. Those are the two areas that the devil will try to drain you from. And if he can get you poor and get you sick, then he gets you in a place where you are not able to accomplish anything for the house of God. But the Bible says that God will empower you and his promises will never leave you. The Bible says in, in Psalm chapter 91, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow, the protection of the Almighty. Meaning all of your finances, your family, your health, every area of your life is protected by the promises of God. And if the devil tries to show up on the scene, you rebuke him. You remind him that you know the word. The Bible doesn't say that the devil won't try to come after you. The devil even came after Jesus. What did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written. When you know the word, the devil cannot touch you. He said, if you really are the son of God, change this stone to bread. Jesus said, it is written that you should, <laughs> that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the father. When you know your Bible, the devil has no access to you. That's why when they came to take Jesus, what, it, what were his final words to the disciples? He said, 
They don't take my life. The devil doesn't take my life for he's found nothing in me. I give my life freely. When you know the word and you stay plugged in with God, the devil will find nothing in you and your life will live blessed and never cursed in Jesus mighty name. All right. So number two, those are your natural inheritance. The blessing of Abraham, the things in the natural prosperity is what the Bible calls it. Here is your spiritual inheritance. When you are baptized with Christ and you rise again with Christ, you put on Christ and you receive a spiritual inheritance. This spiritual inheritance involves what I'll break down into two kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I want you to write that down and put it in the comments. Say, I've inherited the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Some people think those are the same, but they're not. I'll explain to you. One second, I'm just putting uh, giving information in the comments on Instagram so that people can give. If you're being blessed by this, praise the Lord. You can give. That's the time to do it. You give in faith. When, when the word is getting inside of you and it's working, that's when you sow into the ministry. And you guys all know, Venmo Cash at PayPal at Revival Way. Hey, Zaley. Zaley, I'm so sorry I didn't get to see you at the river last week. I wish I could have. Or I guess it's two weeks ago now. But my friends got to see you. And for that, I'm blessed. All right. Your spiritual inheritance in Christ. You've received the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of of God. Go to Colossians chapter 1 with me. Colossians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I love you, Zaley. Highlight that part in verse 12. Who has qualified you, so the Father has now qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, whenever you see the word light used in the Bible, it's referring to revelation, like a light bulb going off. You are the light of the world, the revelation of Jesus Christ of the world. The Bible says his word bringeth light and understanding. Revelation. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Revelation of your inheritance as a saint of God. Verse 13. This is your inheritance. That he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. So through redemption and the forgiveness of sins, we have full and total access to God. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we've received the kingdom of his glorious son, which is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, and then I'm going to explain to you what the kingdom of heaven is and the kingdom of God is, the difference between the two of them. Ephesians chapter 1, here are the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. So a question on Instagram. Do you need to be baptized in water before to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Do you need to? No. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. Peter was preaching, and as he was preaching, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he said, who am I to withhold water from them? So then they got baptized in water. But it is important because out of obedience, the Bible says be baptized in water and be baptized in in the Holy Spirit. So I don't care which order you do it in, but get them both done. Amen. 
Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us to multiply abundantly in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want you to highlight that, underline it, and you know the drill. Text it to your grandma. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So we went over the natural blessing that's in natural places, all the silver and gold and livestock and health and wealth in the earth, but two, blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. How anybody could ever come on or hit a pulpit and preach that God doesn't want you unbelievably, abundantly blessed in literally every way possible, you have to be halfway psychotic or brain dead. Because the entire Bible is talking about how God didn't even withhold his son from you. So why would he withhold anything else? Like that's literally the entire point. <laughs> Just crazy. Just crazy. And then they'll say, well, you know, the Bible is not about you. Well, who did Jesus die for? Sounds like it's about me. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. The whole Bible points to Jesus. It is Jesus. He is the word. The living word. People are very good at hearing what you're not saying. But it's about what he did for you. God doesn't need the Bible. Jesus doesn't need the Bible. The Bible's for you. It's about what he did for you. Amen. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I want you to write that down. I am blessed in the beloved. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. If anyone ever tries to preach to you that God works in mysterious ways ever again, tell them they're a lunatic. God does not work in mysterious ways. The Bible says right there that the mystery of his will is revealed to you. It might be mysterious to an unbeliever, but as a Christian, you are to, be, you are to know the will of God. The will of God is his word. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And God's will is his word. Amen. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Highlight that, verse 11. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. All right, let's unravel this. And uh, let me read one more. Ephesians 1.18 Paul prays this, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So there's riches and glory in God's inheritance in the saints. So we've got the natural cover. The supernatural, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, we've received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What are the spiritual blessings? They are the oracles of of God. They are the law of sowing and reaping. They are the different spiritual laws that you unravel in the Bible. The gift of communion that the Bible says if you take it in a worthy manner, it is healing to your flesh. That by his stripes you were healed. The spiritual laws, the oracles and pearls of God that are unraveled in his word. Part of those spiritual blessings are revelation knowledge. See, revelation only comes by the Holy Spirit. Information comes through carnal mind. Revelation comes through Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says we've been given the seal of God's promised Holy Spirit to ensure us of our inheritance for when we do step into heaven. 
All right, now let's break this down quickly, and we're going to close with this. What are the two kingdoms that you haven't inherited spiritually now as a Christian? One, the kingdom of heaven. I want you to write this down. You have inherited the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 7, in verse 20, 20, or 21, Jesus said, Many on those days will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, heal in your name, cast out demons in your name? But he will say, Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. If you look up the Hebrew words for the kingdom of heaven, it is referring to space. It is referring to a place which is heaven. The Bible refers to three types of heavens in the word. This is what we would call the first heaven, the natural. Then there's what we would call the second heaven, which is in the spirit, just beyond the veil. You can't see angels and demons around you all the time, spiritual warfare going on 24-7. And then the third heaven, where God resides, that is the place of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. You have inherited the kingdom of heaven as a Christian. You have inherited salvation by your faith in Jesus as a gift by the grace of God. And the Bible says you are now seated with Jesus in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. So knowing that you've inherited the kingdom of heaven, that is why Jesus said don't boast in the fact that demons listen to you. Boast instead about the fact that your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to heaven. It's great that demons listen to me. It's great that I heal the sick. It's great that I'm blessed in my wealth. But the reality is I've inherited the kingdom of heaven. And nobody can take that from me. Amen. Number two, the kingdom of God. Now I want you to focus on this because this is where action is required. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And this will really ruffle some feathers, especially some funny things that I've been seeing on like Facebook and stuff lately. I saw somebody, I saw somebody post, and I know this guy, like it's kind of sad. I saw this guy post on Facebook the other day. He said, there is no sin that you can commit that can cause you to miss heaven. And there's no work that you can do that can cause you to gain heaven. And I get what he's trying to say, but it's a terrible way of saying it. Because according to the Bible, every sin will make you miss heaven. The only way you get to heaven is having your sins forgiven, the power of sin being broken off of your life, and you turning from sin by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 3.8. The Bible is talking about that entire chapter. It's talking about those that continue to live in sin are not of God. They don't know God. It says, For this reason the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of, devil, of the devil, to destroy the power of sin in your life. But, this will, I don't know why, I don't want to get on a tangent. I'll preach a whole a whole sermon on that, goodness. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's pick up in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? You see that there? The, word, the words kingdom of God. Highlight that. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdoms of God? Do not be deceived... Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So I want you to highlight those verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Highlight those. So when you look up the Greek for the kingdom of God, the meaning is authority and power. So the definition of the kingdom of God is the authority that you have as an ambassador of Christ in the earth. So the kingdom of heaven is referring to heaven. Now this section is talking about the power and authority that you walk in. This is why Paul told Timothy, if you make yourself an honorable vessel, a vessel for honorable use, meaning that you've purified yourself, you live holy unto the Lord. God's power will flow through you. God's anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be attracted to you. So when you understand that the kingdom of God is referring to God's authority, his power, his anointing, 
then you'll understand the context with which this is reading. It says, if you live a sinful life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, meaning you will not inherit the power of God. In order to walk in the power that the apostles walked in, you have to live a life clean and free from sin. That's what the Bible says. So you've inherited heaven and you've inherited power and authority. But the way you access power and authority is by living a life free from sin. The Bible says, purify yourself as he is pure. It also says in 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, Be set apart holy as your Father is holy. Praise the Lord. So if you want to see the sick recover, if you want to see demons be cast out, if you want to shake your town, shake your state, shake your nation, you have to live a life free from sin. And as you live a life free from sin, you will watch the power and the authority of God follow you everywhere you go. I want to declare over your life Isaiah 58 verse 8. It says the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. As you go from this live stream forward, whether you've already, maybe you're listening on podcasts, maybe you're watching on YouTube or on Instagram or on TikTok. As you live a life free from sin, you will watch the power of God manifest in your life. In Jesus' name, it's going to come to pass. Amen and amen. Well, that's a lot of information. But that is your inheritance, or at least a sliver of it, as a Christian. The blessing of Abraham, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. What a blessing it is. How glorious. Can't even fathom. So amazing. How great the things are. They've never entered into the heart nor the mind of man. How great it is the things that God has for man. They've never even entered into the mind. Just amazing. Abundantly more than you could ever ask or think or imagine. Blows my mind every time I even talk about it. Someone said, can we rewatch this? I got in too late. Absolutely. It'll be posted on Instagram. It'll be posted on YouTube as well. All right. I'm going to close now and give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry. Like Isaiah Saldivar says... If you've been blessed by this, don't be someone that dines and dashes. You don't go to a restaurant and eat your meal and leave without paying. Now, this is all free, obviously. But if you've been blessed by this, I encourage you, give to the ministry. As you know, we've reached hundreds of millions of people. And my goal is to reach 200 million people for Jesus Christ through social media and in-person evangelism. Currently, right now, we're feeding 25 kids every day in the country of Nicaragua. And your giving is a big help to that. And we appreciate it so much. Also, we have eight ministries that we give into every single month financially. So your giving goes toward that as well. And we're very blessed by you. On YouTube, you can see on your screen right now the different ways that you can give to the ministry. You can give through Venmo, through Cash App, or through PayPal. All at Revival Way, one word. Cash App is dollar sign Revival Way. PayPal is at Revival Way. Venmo is at Revival Way. Also, if you're not a monthly partner, this Sunday, we have our first partners Zoom meeting, and it's going to be awesome. I have some secret, fun-filled, crazy stuff packed and ready to give to the monthly partners. So if you're not a monthly partner at $100 a month or more, I encourage you, go become a monthly partner. You can go to my website, RevivalWay.com, and click Partner Financially today, and we will add you to that meeting. It is going to be awesome. I'm going to give you my keys, my tips, my tricks, the secrets to social media evangelism, and I'm going to answer your questions as we're live on Zoom. So go do that if you haven't done that already. I'll give you a moment here to give to the ministry, and I want to thank you ahead of time. You know, I said this last night, and I'm going to say it again, because I really feel this this week. A couple of months ago, I gave my first $1,000 seed. Now, I've given much more than $1,000 to other ministers. But this time was like all $1,000, I just gave it. Because I felt the Lord say, give this $1,000 to this pastor. So I blessed this man of God with $1,000. And God multiplied it rapidly. After that, I've seen probably between ten dollars and $15,000 come in. In just the past couple of months from that seed alone. And I had a guy recently who sowed into the ministry and he said that the Lord blessed his commissions $15,000. God will bless your finances. So I encourage you today, it's not always about the number. Some people can give 100. 
And some people can give a thousand. Some people can give ten thousand. Give in proportion to your giving. You know, there's an old saying that says, if you don't feel it when you give it, you're not going to feel it when the harvest comes back into your life. But if you feel it when you give it, you'll feel it when it comes back into your life. And I'll tell you what, that is 100% true. I've seen it time and time again. There was a woman that gave into my ministry and she won the lottery. <laughs> like what, what are the chances? Just amazing. Just amazing. So pray and ask the Lord what he would have you give today. And I'm going to join my faith with you and put a target on your seed. I just sold another thousand dollars the other day. I'm believing God for a new vehicle. I want it to be given to me or somebody to pay for it in cash. I want the Lord to give me a brand new vehicle. So I sold a thousand dollars the other day for a vehicle. Put a demand on your seed and watch how God will answer your prayer. All right, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I join my faith with every person that's giving into the ministry right now. I thank you for radical givers. I thank you that your word says where a man's money is, is where his heart is. And that we have people that listen here. That we love your word, we love the advancement of your kingdom, and we honor your word with our giving. Father, as they honor your word with their giving today, bless them according to their faith. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. But make sure everyone is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I join my faith with every person that gives today, and I call them blessed to multiply abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you. Mwah! I got to run to a prayer meeting. I'm going to be late, but I love you so much. Enjoy your harvest. God is going to bless you right now. You know what? I have a feeling there's somebody listening on podcast right now, or you're watching this video and it's already been posted and you're thinking the Lord put a number in your heart. He said, so a thousand or so a big number. And you're like, I don't know, Lord. I, I don't know if I can give that. Give it and watch what God's going to do. When God spoke to me like that, it was the best decision I ever made to give my first thousand dollars. And now I've given, <laughs> I've given thousands and thousands of dollars and it's only ever increasing. So praise the Lord. I love you. Be obedient and be blessed. I'll see you tomorrow night. We're going to talk about the authority of the Christian believer. Have a good night. God bless you. I love you.